Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we consistently mispronounce the spelling of today's drink and leave you all guessing. Yes, that's right. We are mispronouncing Yeneva, Geneva, however the heck you say it. Yes, uh, it's a cross between whiskey and gin and supposed to be fantastic. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Yes, we are in Europe talking Yeneva. It's one of those drinks neither of us have had before, like we said in the good old-fashioned intro. And we, yeah, we're excited. We've had a good run of uh, of not dr- uh, We've had a good run of uh, drinks that we haven't had for a while, or haven't had before, because like we had masala, we've had. Uh, what was the one we did last week? Why is it so long ago? Bekarovka. Bekarovka. Yes, that one. And I forget what we were doing before then. But anyway, good run of it. So I'm, I'm, this is like good old-fashioned good drop where we, we try something we've never tried before and tell you all about it like we used to. Yeah, and funnily enough, this good old-fashioned... Good drop is talking about a good old fashioned drink. Mm. Been around since the sixteenth uh, century, fifteenth century. Yeah, long time. So I guess we should start by talking about what it is, mm. because uh, Yeneva, also known as Holland's Yeneva, Genevieve Peckett, and sometimes Dutch Gin is the juniper-flavoured traditional liquor of the Netherlands, Belgium, and adjoining areas in northern France and northwest Germany. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a clear, botanically rich, malt-based, malted grain-based spirit that can now only be made in Holland or Belgium and the select few regions of Germany and France. Thanks to the 2008 regulations of the AOC. Mm, and actually, that's as, as good a time as any, I suppose, to get into uh, how many of them there are. Because there, there's 11. There are a total of 11 <laughs> different AOC regulations 11. around this drink and the varietals thereof, mm. which... Um, Relate to yeah, different versions of it and different styles of it are only allowed to be made in particular places. So like, the, literally, like cognac and brandy. Yeah, except much more complex. <laughs> the Yeneva grain, Yeneva, and fruit Yeneva are exclusive to Belgium, the Netherlands, and small parts of Germany and small parts of France. Whereas the old Yeneva and young Yeneva are exclusive to Belgium and the Netherlands. But Ode Flander Real East Flemish Grain Yeneva, Hasselt Yeneva, Belgium Yeneva, and the Walloon Packet are exclusive to Belgium. Hmm. 
while Flanders Artois Yenever is exclusive to two provinces of France, and East Frisia Cereal Grain Yenever can only be made in two states of Germany. Wow, that's a uh, a few different styles. Yeah, and a little bit excessive in wow, like the specificity of it. Well, I suppose everyone's got their own like local version, which you know, I suppose they have to call it something, claim ownership somehow. And yes, that local version is protected, mm. <laughs> thoroughly protected. Thoroughly protected. Yeah. Um, but the, the main two types of Geneva or Yenova we're talking about today are the Oud or old and young or young. And not so much, not so much like the difference between the two is not so much a, a distinction of age, but more of styles, an old style and a new style. Yeah. And... I guess then we might as well begin at the beginning with how it came to be, starting in fact as a distilled malt wine that had a 50% alcohol percentage Mm. and was then made more palatable by adding juniper berries. Yeah, well, that's exactly how gin started, because... Back back then, everything was pot stilled. They didn't have the coffee still out of Ireland yet, and so the like everything was rough as guts. You didn't have like the triple, like double distilled or triple distilled anything. It was single distilled fire water, basically. Hmm. Though some say that a gin actually came about because of Yenova. Hmm. Well. That's that's the story, but we'll get into that in a bit. We will, because others say it came from a different place, <laughs> as is always the case. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who cares? It, as long as it tastes good, right? Yeah, correct. <laughs> but let's tell the tale anyway, the myth, the legend the myth. of Dr. Silvius who was a Dutch medical doctor and professor at the University of Leiden. And they say that he invented Geneva in the Netherlands. They would be wrong. (laughs) They would be wrong, because it is plainly false. Because he hadn't even been born yet for the first times that Geneva has been recorded in history. Yeah, there's uh, written references to Yenova as far back as the 13th century in uh, in Bruges, and uh, and even uh, a written recipe in the in 16th century Antwerp. That's cool. Like there's a a a written recipe of something uh, 400 years ago, 415 years ago. Yeah, that that is impressive. Like that's some good record keeping right there. <laughs> the Dutch were good at keeping record. Mm, clearly. So, who so what actually happened with the creation of Yenova? Well, history, interesting that it is, tells us that it did begin in one area. Though 
where exactly isn't entirely certain, but what we do know is that it spread around all the places it is now made as a result of the 30 years and 80 years wars. Mm. Because people were on the move. And it was during those wars that British soldiers who came over to assist their European brethren got a taste for what they referred to as Dutch courage. Dutch courage. Because all all the Dutch soldiers kept a little flask on their belt that they would have a sip of before running into battle. That's amazing. I never knew that that's where the saying came from. Like, I, I knew it had to, had to do with drinking alcohol for, for courage, but here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the, the original history of the phrase Dutch courage. Yeah, the very first. The first Dutch courage. <laughs> Using Geneva. Using Geneva. <laughs> Amazing. And the British soldiers, of course, began drinking Dutch courage as well, which is how they got a taste for it and returned back to England looking for some more of that sweet, sweet juniper flavour. Mm. Well, the the British, when they brought it back, they started calling it Geneva, which was which is the anglicised version, anglicised name for Geneva or Yeneva, because I'm sure they all mispronounce the name as well. And just to throw another spanner in the Dr. Sylvius myth, he would have been nine years old when the when the play Duke, The Duke of Milan uh, opened in 1623, referencing Geneva. Yeah, with the Anglo spelling in the script. Gene- Geneva. There you go. Mm. Uh so the national, well, the national museum, the National Yeneva Museum, Hasselt, Hasselt in Belgium states unequivocally that Yeneva was created in the lowlands of Flanders in the 13th century. Their claim is given credence by commentary in Yeneva de Lager Landen by author Professor Dr. Eric van Schoenenberg. So, not Dr. Silvius at all. It was a lie. It's a good myth, though. Oh, yes, it's a lovely myth. But aren't they all? Well, they're not, actually. Not all of the myths are good. Some of them are pretty rubbish. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad one. Not not the worst we've found. Uh, so, that's the, the, the base history, I guess. So, oh, I, will, I will pour and... I guess before we do, we should probably talk about how one drinks it. And uh, there are different ways of drinking it, depending on which style it is that you're drinking. Whether it mm. be old Yenever or young Yenever. Or in my case, Corin wine. Because today is the first episode that we are recording over the internet, or not in person, thanks to... Uh, the global pandemic of 2019. Sorry, 2020. What year are we in again? <laughs> I'm doing... I had so much trouble last week with with what year it was. I can't believe it's carried over to this year week. Hmm. Well, it's clearly the beginning of the end because, you know, according to the Terminator, 2029 is the year it all ends. Mm. Oh, well. It's been it's been real, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 
so. Uh, so, yeah, I've got Corrin wine and Mikkel has Oud, Old Yeneva. Yes, I have the Oud Bols Yeneva. Mm. So, how do we drink the Oud Yeneva? Well, to enjoy the smoothness of the flavours, it should be consumed at room temperature. But that is only the Oud Yeneva, Young Yeneva, which uses grains and is twice distilled, is most commonly served chilled. Mm. Good thing we don't have that. Yes. I actually thought you had the answer to this. Um, I might, but I would have to scroll further down. And right now I'm busily pouring Yeneva. which is traditionally filled to the very brim of the tulip glass that you should serve it in. But I'm not going to risk that. So how big are these tulip glasses that you're filling up? Because <laughs> you've got to fill it right to the brim? Bloody hell. Yeah, oh, but I dare not. You're supposed to fill it to the brim. Uh, and then drink it, but, uh, like sip it off the table before, so you don't spill yeah. it. <laughs> but of course I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I can't see anything about how to drink currant wine apart from... Mm. Apart from the same way. In cocktails. Yeah. In cocktails, yeah. which, you know, is not how we want to drink it. So I would assume then that, mm. like any other Yenova... Because uh, this does say real connoisseurs of Yenova suggest that you drink it slowly like a whiskey. Okay. Um, I'm going to be right back because I have an old-fashioned glass that I was going to pour it in. I'm going to go get my little shot glasses. Oh, well, apparently you could also drink it, drink the Yenova in a shot glass dropped into a beer. Oh. And they call that a headbutt. Yep. Oh, no, accompanied by a beer as a headbutt, dropped in the beer as a U-boat. U-boat. Yes, yeah, so the back of the bottle says, Dit profsje in zout Geneva met een rikje smaak van kraten, lichte frutonen in Geneverbes. Ponetta. No, I can't read that. I can't actually read the back of this. <laughs> or can I? Man, how... How cool are these bottles, though? Oh, they're fantastic bottles. They're, um... Bowles Geneva, or Bowles uh, sells their Geneva or Koran wine in ceramic bottles. Like, one litre ceramic bottles. And that is the only way you can buy them. And, like, they just look fantastic. Like, kind of a... really old-fashioned kind of kind of bottle. Yeah, ah, here we go. So, according to Google Translate, yeah, the label on the back of my bottle says, you can test this, <laughs> and soft Geneva with a rich nakedness of grains, light fruit notes, and juniper. Pure nature, the Lucas Bowles malt distillate, 15 wheat, rye, and corn in which are berry berries. <laughs> go, go, Google Translate. Uh, Lucas Bowles craftsmanship. <laughs> Our malt distillate is extra strong, fermented, and distilled three times in original copper boilers 
for the unique soft and rich bowls Genevesma Lua bowls uh, very old bowls Geneva is best to drink pure and at room temperature or as headbutt with a visin. So we ha- each have so I have Corin wine and Mikkel has the Oud Geneva. Mm, the Oud Geneva, yep. Yeah. And it smells really interesting. Wow. Yeah. And like Okay, so what is what does your smell like? Well, nothing at all like gin. I expected it would smell like gin, but it mm. doesn't. I'm really not sure what it smells like. Well, the descriptions say it's a halfway it's halfway between whiskey and gin, but smells and tastes more like a, a whiskey uh. than than gin. Because it it seems to smell it smells strong. I can definitely smell the thirty five percent. Really, that's fascinating. But, but yeah, I'm also getting. I'm definitely smelling the juniper as well. It just uh, has a very different fragrance to what you get from a gin. Right. What does it taste like? Because well, there's no point in us tasting them at the same time because they're yeah, different drinks. No, so I guess I'll find <laughs> out. Oh my word, that's bitey. Oh. And Which is p- typical of a gin. Yeah. It's very warming and mm. pleasant, and the flavours are actually quite subtle. Once you get past the initial bite and a burn, and it's not too bad of a burn, just what, what you'd expect, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's. It, well, in, in spite of the percentage, a gin tends to be far more bitey than other drinks at the same percentage. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it, it's got some subtlety to it. I'm getting the, the different herby flavours and a lot of juniper. All right. So it is 38%, and this is aged two years. It smells more like a gin than a whiskey. Oh. Which is interesting in comparison to the Oud Yenova that you were just tr- drinking. Yeah, which certainly doesn't have a lot of gin smell at all. Mm. Yeah, you can definitely smell the juniper and a lot of, yeah, pine, citrus, uh, floral notes. Cheers. Cheers. Wow, that is <clears throat> that is not bitey at all. Very, very warming, but sm- mm. that is smooth. Um, the I just had a sip, and it leaves a slight tingle on your tongue. But, yeah, other than that, that's that's nice. That's so different to to what you described. Hmm. Well, I'll admit, just having a little bit more now, it's been uh, less bitey. Hmm. Like, perhaps my initial sip was too small. Maybe, but wow, it's it's like a very, very light, non-bitey gin. That's probably the best way I can describe it. If you were to have a, yeah, it's not really a dry gin because it's not, it doesn't taste citrusy, but it does taste a little herby and a little malty. Very, very interesting. 
if you can get your hands on a bottle, I recommend trying it if you like both whiskey and gin. Yeah, it definitely does taste like a mix of the two. And I mm. guess that's one thing that current wine and the old Geneva have in common. Yeah, versus the young Geneva, which tends to be uh, drier and has less... Oh, it has about the same malt wine. Um, but yeah, it has half the amount of sugar per litre as Oud Yennefer. So I'm I'm assuming it tastes drier than what you're drinking now. Yeah, must do. Interesting. Mm. Um, the Coron wine, in comparison, is supposed to be very similar to the 18th century style Yennefer. And because it's aged, it tends to be a lot smoother. Uh, it contains about 51 to 70% malt wine and up to 20 grams of sugar per litre. So that would be why mine is so smooth and malty compared to the Oud. Mm, well, mine's got a little more bite to it. Mm. Yeah. It's very nice, though. Very, very nice. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely glad that we bought it. So, now that we've talked a lot of shit, uh, how many bottle caps would you rate this? Ooh, I think as that's a tough call. Mm. Maybe, maybe seven and a half. Okay. Why? Why would you rate it only seven and a half? Well, because I'm I'm comparing it to gins, and there are some yeah. gins I've had that are smoother and more complex. Hmm. Which I would rate higher than this. Right. But this is not a gin. No. Yeah. So no, how it's, it's would you compare call. it to whiskeys, I guess? <laughs> well, probably about the same, I suppose, because it's not quite a whiskey either. But yeah. if I were to treat it as its own thing, forgetting the existence of gin and whiskey, then I suppose I would give it an eight. Okay. Um, I would probably only rate this seven because maybe even six and a half because like while it's interesting based on what we know about whiskies and gins and malt wine and all the history behind Geneva, um, like you said, it's not especially complex. It's got some interesting flavors, but I probably wouldn't buy it again yeah i mean if it were easy to come by i would probably buy it again because it is pleasant to drink mm. but for the amount yeah. of effort involved in acquiring it yeah, yeah no yeah because you know we're in australia and everything's harder to get than the average bear um yeah i mean if it would if it was if there was a selection of drinks on the table and this was one of them, I'd probably drink it. But I don't know if I'd go out of my way for it. Yeah, I think I could. I would agree with that. Like as, and I suppose that's the trick. Taking it, um, I guess, if you were to rate it in a vacuum. Yeah, which is hard to do. Yeah. Without yeah. taking all those things into account, because that's that's where my age comes from. Attempting to rate it <laughs> yeah. in a vacuum. Yeah, 
yeah, compared to everything else that we've drunk, it's not it's not especially interesting. No, it's pleasant, it's enjoyable to drink. Yes. But yeah, it's not amazing. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't wow me like some other ones that I've had. Yeah. Um so I suppose that's it for this episode, I guess. Have you got anything else? Uh, no, that's pretty much all I've got as well. So I suppose it's time for the plugs. Mm. So if you liked what you heard, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. You can find us on your favourite podcast app as A Good Drop All About Alcohol. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. And if we're not there... Uh, let us know and we'll fix it. Yeah, and you can also find us on the socials, Facebook and Instagram, as a good drop podcast. And if you want to check out our backlog of previous episodes, jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. Or if you've got any comments, questions, suggestions for future episodes, or if you've had Yennever before, send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. Yes, we look forward to hearing from you. Be sure to tune in next time when we have another blinder with dark beers. Blackest of the black times infinity. Yeah, we're uh, expanding the categories a little bit to add a bit more of a challenge. We've discovered that we can now fairly easily pick between the three. So let's, uh, let's turn up the stakes. Raise the stakes. Yes, we'll go to the dark side of fear. Hmm. I like how you're trying to be all dark and brooding, and I'm like, yeah, this thing, this sounds great. <laughs> anyway, see you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>